right, this is Jenny Kwong for Earthlink on CJSW 90.9 FM in Calgary on Treaty 7 lands and Métis Region 3. Today, I'm speaking with actor and dancer Kunji Ikeda from Cloudsway Dance Theatre. He is part of the Calgary Fringe Festival in the first week of August. Shows will be digital this year. Here's my talk with Kunji Ikeda. Hi, uh, hello, this is Jenny for Artslink on CJSW Radio. Today I'm with Kunji Ikeda uh, from Cloudsway Dance Theater. So welcome, Kunji. Thanks so much, Jenny. Great to be here again. Yeah, and so I guess tell me about your uh, dance company. Well, Cloudsway Dance Theater uh, really tries to merge uh, the ideas of dance and the ideas of theater to come together to see which elements can best tell our story and we really believe that um, by mixing disciplines and shifting things up we can really get to the heart of really unique stories in order to share them with our community and so what drew you to dance and theater uh well i started uh studying in theater at the university of calgary and there were certain opportunities I had that really led to physical theater. And uh, I got to work with One Yellow Rabbit and Denise Clark, who, uh, you know, is, is classically trained as a dancer and has brought those skills into the theatrical world. And so what she was exploring uh, really spoke to me in terms of how to get at the heart of physical storytelling. And it really resonated like, on a physical level in my body as I got to explore these stories, explore movement, and, and how that, to me, really felt more, um, it was just so beautiful in order to tell stories physically in the body. And so that's uh, what I started getting interested in and following, and here I am. <laughs> so you're part of the Fringe Festival again this year. How's that? Yeah. Yeah, it's really neat to be back. I mean, uh, of course, sadly, last year was canceled, so um, it's it's nice to be back in some form. Uh, this year, I'll be uh, offering a, a digital show that people can log on and check out as part of the Fringe, and um, it's really nice to be back in this uh, in this community. Uh, the Fringe family is a really unique. I mean, it's it's very much on the fringes, but there's a definitely a large, strong community around it, and so it's nice to be part uh, of that of that little family again. And what will you be presenting as part of the festival? So the work I'll be presenting is Know the Rules, Win the Game, and that is my uh, dance clown show that I've created with Richard Lee and Karen Hines, and the three of us have put our heads together to see how art is present in politics and how politics is present in art. And we're really trying to find a mischievous, thoughtful way in to seeing how these worlds align and intersect. And we've been able to look at uh, a historical figure, the Taiko Mochi, the, the Japanese drum master and clown, and how that role at one point was a very, very politically charged role and eventually made its way to the outskirts. And, and something similar we feel is happening in our artistic community, or, or that's something we're cautious of and, and really exploring and uh, pushing to the limits of what would happen if a clown got into politics 
and what would happen if politics really limit an artist. And so what is it about the clown that allows them to be part of the political world that allow them to interpret it in ways that other people might not be able to? Yeah, good question. I mean, there was always uh, this classical figure of the fool or the jester who in like uh, uh, Western European culture, the fool and the clown was the only person who could speak truth to the king. There was that uh, kind of famous saying that the clown, because they're doing it in, you know, with a smile and, and with a mischievous joking attitude, the clown could really play low status. So without threatening the king, they could speak these truths that no one else, uh, uh, you know, anyone else who, who raised that point, you know, might get into trouble with the king. Uh, and so that was, uh, from that perspective, really interesting. And then again, looking at the trajectory of the Taiko Mochi from like a, a really uh, like political advisor in so many senses of the word to be uh, part of the planning, part of to have that um, artistic eye on how to run a community um, was a really favorable position that eventually slowly transitioned away from the political center and to the outskirts where, you know, we think of now uh, artistry doesn't always have a place in the political world. And so, yeah, that intermingling of ideas and expressions gave us so, so much to play with as our own version of artists and clowns. <laughs> and so what has it been like developing work during this past year or two? Oh, it's been hard. It's been really hard. Um, yeah. Uh, I had a couple of projects that had to do backflips around some of the limitations and, um, but you know, artists, artists have to art. <laughs> and um, uh, I've been having some really interesting conversations about how there's no training for persistence and resilience other than just doing it through difficult times. And so while it was, it was really hard and really, Stressful and, and you know many tears were shed. It also being able to get together with Richard to to do this show and film this show was a real um, a real joy. And despite the you know having to quarantine on either side to make sure we could safely get together in a room in order to film this because the the piece relies a lot on touch and a lot on contact and a lot on. Um, some of those physical cues that dance is so good at doing. All right. And so uh, what ha, what's it like uh, performing in the more intimate spaces of the Lantern Church or the Art Point Gallery? Oh, good question. Um, I, I think I first presented Sanse in the Lantern Church and the gymnasium and um, there's definitely a beautiful intimacy in, in um, yeah, it feels very immediate with the, the French Festival and some of these venues. And both as an artist and as a spectator, I really appreciated that, uh, the closeness that a lot of these shows uh, allow for. Um, this, for us, this will be, will be part of the digital presentation. So as I understand it, there's, uh, I want to say, six to eight shows that'll be uh, digital only. And that's, that's what we're doing this year. So 
uh, hopefully people will have a chance to tune in and they can do that wherever they are. And then there's also a live component that uh, will be quite unique and exciting and um, a nice welcome back to theater for a lot of folks. And so uh, during this past year, uh, what have you been doing to kind of um, expand your artistic uh, vision? Oh, great question. Um, well, I've uh, kept up a writing practice. Uh, so I'm writing a couple new plays and new performances, uh, as well as really trying to uh, strengthen my administrative skills. And so in, in that way, I've been accepted to be uh, to start working with One Yellow Rabbit um, as their artistic leadership associate. And so I'm really thrilled to, to be joining on in that capacity, which will allow me to train with not only their own stage ensemble, but also their backstage crew, their office crew that, that really helps make the High Performance Rodeo and One Yellow Rabbit run and, and succeed. And so I'm really interested to start training more in that aspect. And uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll see where it takes me next. All right. I guess that's it for now. Uh, anything you'd like to add to uh, conclude this interview? Oh, a big thank you for, for the opportunity to chat uh, and a big shout out to our artistic community that uh, like, a, like a beautiful blade of grass, even in hard times, can sustain uh, thanks to its community. So hopefully we can all come together soon in safe and supportive ways. And uh, until then, stay strong, reach out for help when you need it. There are people around to connect with, and uh, I am I am so proud to be part of this uh, artistic community along with you, Jenny. So right. thank you for being part of the part of our ecosystem here, and thank you for the chat. Yeah, thank you very much, Kenji, for your time today. Yeah, you bet. Bye for now. Bye. That was Kunji Ikeda from Cloudsway Dance Theater, who will have a show as part of the 2021 Calgary Fringe Festival which can be seen online this year. Visit www.calgaryfringe.ca for more information. Now, here is a song by Gary Jackson from the album Fool in the Rain. The album is on the Old Minor Music Company from 2002, and the song is Crows in the Corn. Talk of since the telly came. Newspaper boys cry extra, extra. Read all about it. Sunday morning, thank the heaven for it. Surely to God, there is something more than rain on these rooftops and crows in the corn. Everyone speaks with tongue deep in. 
protecting their claim of infamous glory. And old clowns don't ever feel ashamed to steep deep in trenches with their war berets. And every day is Remembrance Day, let's all shout about it. Sing hallelujah for we've all denied it. Surely to God there is something more than gin soaked old sailors and crows blowing horns. That song was Crows in the Corn by Gary Jackson from the album Fool in the Rain. On the line notes, it says Toronto, so that's where I think he is from. Next is a mini events calendar for you. Beginning on July 24th and going until November 27th, there will be a new exhibit at the Esker Foundation in Inglewood. The exhibit, called Diaspora and Painting, presents works by artists that explore the notion of diaspora from various perspectives. Visit eskerfoundation.com for more information. Molly J. F. Caldwell will be giving an artist talk and Q&A on August 5th. She will speak about her current exhibit with one hand tied behind my back. Caldwell has also exhibited at the Esker Foundation. Her talk is about a textile installation that is a love letter to Penelope, a figure from Homer's Odyssey. See AUArts.ca for more information. Hi, this is Jenny Kwong. That's it for me this month. Next is co-host Nathan Taylor. Thanks, Jenny. Listeners can visit the Arts Link section of cgsw.com for more details on our featured artists. And now, my interview with Calgary Fringe Festival artists who drove all the way from Ottawa, a levity theatre company, speaking about their interactive production called Sold. So this is Nathan reporting for ArtsLink, and I'm here in Gopher Park in the middle of Inglewood, and I'm talking to uh, some actors and a stage manager for uh, a production of the Calgary Fringe Festival called Sold. Um, hello, folks. Uh, can you introduce yourselves for our audience? 
Hi there, I'm Ev Boshaw. I'm a co-artistic director. Hi, I'm Al Hamame. I'm also a co-artistic director. Hi, I'm Rachel Van Lannen, and I am the stage manager. And I'm Katie Smick, also a co-artistic director. So first off, welcome to Calgary, and um, tell us about your theater group. Yeah, for sure. So our theater company is called A Levity Theater Company. Uh, we are a collective uh, that came together uh, from out of university. We all go to the University of Ottawa, and we're in a conservatory program. And we just found uh, our working styles meshed really well together. And um, we just had a desire to start creating our own work um, before we were even finished school. So. Now, Katie, you uh, are not new to Calgary, so has the Calgary Fringe Festival been on your theatre company's, you know, radar for a while? Yeah, so I, um, I'm originally from Calgary. Um, I lived here basically my entire life, and I've just been in Ottawa for the past two years. And um, because of uh, COVID and the Fringe, Fringe Festival is basically all over the country, all over the world, they haven't been opening up their uh, lineups. Uh, for this summer because they've had holdovers from uh, 2020. And so when we decided to make an outdoor show together, a lot of fringe companies decide to do uh, a program called like a bring your own venue or an artist managed venue is what Calgary Fringe calls it. So we just kind of started emailing um, companies to see if we could kind of get in that way. And because I'm so familiar with Calgary, I was like, hey you guys, do you want to go to Calgary? <laughs> Calgary's great, do you want to go to Calgary? And uh, yeah, we emailed Michelle at Calgary Fringe and she was really excited about the prospect. So it kind of all just came together really quickly, actually. Well, it's great. You're one of the live performances that's that's here in Calgary. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the stuff is going to be you know, simulcasted online. Is your play going to be doing that as well? Or is this is this right here, right now, this is where it's happening? No, this is your only chance to get it. Um, <laughs> it doesn't really translate to a digital format only because of the audience participation. So it would kind of be like a half show if we filmed it. There would be no one doing the little votes, so only in person. <laughs> okay, well, let's get into it. I mean, it, it, on the website for the Calgary Fringe, it describes it as, and I'm just going to quote part of it here, a formal invitation to the most prestigious of investor conferences. So can you tell us about what this play is, uh, Sold? Well, the play is about, um, it started off as an in investor's conference. Um, it changed a bit, but at the end, at the essence of it, it's three companies arguing and battling it out for the audience's vote and the audience is cast as the investors themselves and that's where the audience interaction comes in yeah so they have direct influence on the three companies who are us as the characters the characters are archetypes of these t different types of businesses now I saw a little bit of your performance as I arrived and it seems like this is going to be it's more cutthroat than you, you might expect <laughs> And uh, the, the dialogue got very in-depth into, you know, economic matters. Um, could you go about it, telling us what inspired this and, and how it developed from there? Uh, personally, I have always had a, some might call it a fixation, with the idea of capitalism um, and how it functions in society. Uh, it's something that I focus on a lot in what I write and what I create. And for me, what is really important when making theatre is, is addressing these important questions and issues in a way that's not lecturing your audience and kind of making it more in a fun, um, entertaining way. So that's kind of the inspiration for this show is, is tackling the idea of capitalism in a way that's both funny and exciting. Like that one kind of snippet of, um, you know, Canadian business and the importance of that is that 
it's a tactic that gets used by um, different businesses to in order to attract people and kind of um, go on the offensive against larger corporations right like um, for my character um, you know her being a um, a person who's worked really hard and she's built this business from the ground up it's not a very successful business but she's built it from the ground up and she employs Canadians and she she's using it as a tactic to appeal to a certain type of person a person who is you know kind of very proud of, of the country that we live in who kind of wants to stick it to you know corporate America and, and your your character Al you're mm -hmm. very quick on being able to explain away and rationalize out why your company behaves the way it does exactly the character is is based on this archetypal figure of you know very smart very intelligent can express his ideas very thoroughly if it's something he's comfortable with other than that any social conventions he's, he's very shy and you know it's a very so that that archetype um, and yeah, he's he's more the bigger corporate, more he's gonna avoid taxes, gonna do all these things and use be like, oh I am from Canada, I'm a Spain company, and then outsource all the jobs outside because it's cheaper labor. Tell us about your character. Sure. So um, my character is the small business vegan hippie type. Uh, she's very interested in the environment, uh, sustainability, uh, eco-consciousness, that kind of realm. Um, but she's very privileged. Um, so everything that she believes in comes from a background of, of, of entitlement, essentially. And that's something that the other characters tend to have a bit of a problem with. <laughs> that's pretty good archetypes there, don't you? Yeah. Um, I, I'd like to feel the question to Rachel there. Um, so as a stage manager, how do you make something like that come to life, and especially doing it in a park like this? <laughs> so it's a lot of um, me being on my toes during the show. Um, we have a whole cue list of a bunch of different sound effects that I have to decide which sound effect is played based on who the audience chooses and stuff like that. Um, so it's not an easy just sit there and watch it happen type show. I have to really be a part of the show as well, pressing mm -hmm. what needs to be happening. You've got no real wings to hide behind except for some folding tables it looks like. Mm -hmm. So actors, you actually would have to crouch and, and stay under there while you're not on scene. Well, we're on we're stage on the whole time. Oh, okay. We never get to go away. There's no high here um, and like we knew that going into an outdoor venue you don't get to hide and as a traveling show we can't bring a giant set with us to hide behind so we just have to find a way to kind of be there without drawing focus but still be present in the show and Rachel's the kind of same way because she's there it's very obvious that she's there so her role also kind of just kind of folds into the action a bit as well <laughs> Do you see yourselves doing outdoor stuff like this more in the future, uh, either because of COVID or because you just like it? <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll take this one. So we've, I've worked in outdoor theater before and outdoor theater is hard. Yeah. Um, like you don't have the conventional trappings of a theater and you have to deal with weather and you have to deal with all these outside forces. So it's like, it's hard. Um, I don't know. I think for a lot of us, it's definitely not our um, priority is outdoor theater. But in a situation that we're in, the priority of like where we want to work is um, comes second to just wanting to create art again and bring an audience and connect with an audience again. So 
we'll, you, we, you know, we might make outdoor shows again. Who knows? <laughs> Will it, you know, if we can get our hands on a theater, would we say no to a theater? And probably not. <laughs> and I mean, as actors, it's always it's good, good to try all types. And working outdoors is, in my opinion, the hardest. You have to be as big as possible. You have to always be big when you're doing theater, but when you're outdoor theater, there's so many distractions that you have to be the biggest in the area to, to grab the, the honest attention and keep it there because anything can distract them unlike a conventional theater where you know it's just you out there yeah. interesting um, challenge and plus you know i guess i would say to the audience we are dealing with uh, occasional buses going by <laughs> and occasional uh, you know cp rail um, but uh, i'd like to ask about how the uh, audience is going to work with the participation so here in gopher park we're going to have a bunch of picnic tables or or you know seats with tarps um, and then what can they expect when they come to your show well, they can expect to meet Rachel right when they come in, and they will be greeted with a token um, that they will use to cast their uh, their votes for. Yeah, they, they're given a specific uh, player number, so uh, throughout the show, um, they're prompted to make choices. So it kind of becomes a choose-your-own-adventure. Like, this yeah. show, what I think we did the math, there's like seven different shows that this could uh, conclude in. No way. Okay, yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so every time you watch it, it could be a whole different thing that happens, yeah. um, depending on the decisions of the audience. And so you're performing this a bunch of times during the Fringe. Eh? Twelve times. Shows. Yeah. Cool. Um, <laughs> you made it to Calgary, and you didn't fly. You, you had to drive. Yeah. So what was that like? Oh, it was definitely <laughs> a bonding experience. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, no, honestly, uh, for a couple of us, it's been the only time that we've really left Ontario and gone on the other side. So it was it was a really cool experience to be able to just see the scenery. Um, yeah, get a bit more acquainted with our cast members, mm -hmm. um, and it was yeah, it was it was really interesting, honestly. And it, I think it was worth it. I can't speak for everyone else. Um, I'm just happy that we still have a show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we I mean, we yeah. prefaced, we told because Rachel Rachel actually flew out here um, a few days after us because she had to work still because we're all still working <laughs> while doing this show. Um, um, but uh, we, we prefaced and told Rachel, you know, we're going to spend four days in a car together. You might meet us in Calgary and we have a completely different show. Who knows? Because <laughs> that's always the case. Sometimes we go over the weekend, we don't have rehearsals. And then, you know, we're still thinking about it. We talk and we like change the whole show. And we're like, oh, Rachel, so we changed some stuff. And it's like a whole different show with more cues. And Rachel was great, though. And, and yeah, that was all our Absolutely. <laughs> I, I forgot to ask about the, the organicness of the creative process here. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it, it certainly did change a couple times, as you were saying earlier. Right? Oh, wildly. Yes. I mean, this show that we started with and our idea that we started with um, probably back in December is nothing of what we have now. Mm -hmm. um, I think one of the few things that has stayed really consistent um, more recently is the character archetypes. Those have always kind of been the same. I think we grew pretty attached to those characters. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, the show has gone through very many variations. And it just came out of like, um, you know, we would write things and we would try things and then we would do it and we put it on its feet and we had, you know, uh, some of our mentors come in and mm -hmm. like take a look at things and give us notes. Um, and so we never got really stuck to anything specific. We were always like, wanting to you know continue to build on it and make it as good as it could be which just meant that sometimes we just had to chop entire scenes that we had written and thought were so good but we're like this doesn't support what we're trying to do anymore yeah and i think a big part was the audience participation oh. um and 
a couple months back we did like our first workshop and the style of audience participation then was very different than how it is now and we it was which was hard to do in a rehearsal space because you don't have an audience your only audience member is Rachel our stage manager and so we can't predict how an audience will react to what we ask of them so it was only when we had an actual workshop with people in front of us that we realized that a lot of what we had thought would work didn't work no. And that's what was great, like we were never precious about anything, just like Katie mentioned, and that's like, I think the most important thing when you're creating something, especially if you're not the sole creator, you can't be precious. And what's really funny is that at the end, something we cut out, we brought back in because now it fits, now it works. And it's just interesting to just have all these, we all have like a stack of texts at home, of like seven iterations of it, and it's just like we come back and we something we didn't we didn't need then we use it back because now it's needed and we can use it yeah I mean everything informs everything yeah, yeah. did it take you by surprise that suddenly it worked again sometimes kind of, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think that like especially that kind of um, the idea that we kind of originally started which was a lot about advertisements right, right. Um, that was kind of the original concept that we were working with um, made its way back into the final version yep and that was the one that took me the most yeah. by surprise because I thought that was kind of something we had abandoned a while like so long ago but then all of a sudden it you know Al brought up the idea and we were like oh my gosh this works so perfectly and we got such good feedback from our audience when we presented it in our last workshop so yeah it's it's interesting how nothing is ever lost absolutely and, yeah. <laughs> That was Eve Beauchamp, Al Hamame, Rachel Van Lennon, and Katie Smick of a Levity Theatre Company and performers at this year's Calgary Fringe Festival speaking with me about their interactive production called Sold. It's been taking place every day since July 30th at Gopher Park in the heart of Inglewood on 11th Street and 11th Avenue Southeast. Visit calgaryfringe.ca for details, as well as the ArtsLink section on cgsw.com. Well, that's it for ArtsLink this month. From Jenny and I, we'll talk to you folks again in September.